Welcome to Ideas Allowed, a podcast series part of Ideas ASEAN Prosperity Initiative. Joining us today is Dr. Renato Lima de Oliveira, who will be discussing on the renewable energy in ASEAN. I'd like just to brief a bit of our speaker today. Dr. Renato is an assistant professor of management at the ASEAN School of Business ASB. His main expertise lies in the political economy of development and state business relations, particularly in the areas of industrial and innovation policies and government accountability. His dissertations uh, analyze the development of the oil industry and the local supply chain in Brazil, Malaysia and Mexico. Thank you for joining us today, Renato. Uh, thank you for having me and it's, it's a great pleasure. So for today's discussion, uh, we will be discussing on ASEAN Renewable Energy. Now, um, as we all know, ASEAN is currently one of the fastest growing economies in the world. And with this, it has come an increased demand of electricity. With the average growth rate of electrical demand, electricity demand in ASEAN over the past 20 years, reaching 6%, ASEAN member states must strategize to meet this future need while balancing the so-called energy trilemma facing all modern economies. So the dilemma could be in terms of security, affordability, as well as environmental sustainability. Now, interestingly, the most recent report released on climate change by the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change Working Group of the United Nations, has upped the pressure for ASEAN to transition to a low-carbon energy ecosystem to sustainable energy sooner rather than later. According to one estimate, ASEAN's uh, carbon dioxide emissions per capita are projected to rise 140% between 2015 and 2040. So in order for ASEAN to meet its commitment under the Paris Climate Agreement, let's see on how the challenges, uh, what could be the challenges and how actually ASEAN can move forward in materializing this aim. So Renato, allow me just to start with the first question. What is the current state of ASEAN's transition towards a low carbon energy ecosystem, both as a bloc or as an individual member states and in your opinion, which countries have been the most successful in this area? Uh, thank you so much. I think that ASEAN is an extremely heterogeneous region with very different development levels and degrees of political participation across the region. So it's no surprise that we see big variation in low carbon development in the region and also initiatives. So if you, if you take, for example, the emissions per capita it can go as high as um, uh, Brunei, which has 18 tons per capita, uh, to as low as Myanmar, with about, uh, or La uh, Laos, with uh, about one or less uh, tons per capita. So, so there is a, a, a high heterogeneity in the region. But if you ask me as a block, the ASEAN region, fortunately, is behind in terms of energy transition. In fact, it is a region where fossil fuels are still growing strongly. 
Uh, if we take, for example, one report from the International Energy Agency, uh, the Renewables 2020, they calculate that renewable energy will meet 99% of the electricity demand increase in the world. That's for 2019 to 2025. So in regions like Europe and US, renewables are growing much faster than the total energy demand, which means that renewables are displacing old fossil fuel heavy generators like coal-fired power plants. In China and India, renewables are growing strongly, but still not enough to meet 100% of all the growth in energy demand, only about 65%. So now let me get to ASEAN. The numbers for ASEAN, the projected numbers, are of renewables being used to meet less than 30% of the demand growth. So instead of decarbonizing its growth, which is today's discussion in the world led by the European Union and other countries, ASEAN is still becoming more carbon heavy. So, so that's, that's unfortunate. But when we look at the, what's going on in different countries, some countries are making big progress in incorporating more renewables, like Vietnam and Thailand in solar and wind energy. Indonesia is very strong in biofuel production. So they have a blend of 30%, which uh, started last year, and plans to increase it up to 40%, so add biofuels to, to, to its uh, regular diesel consumption. However, oil palm production in Indonesia has been linked to deforestation, haze, and loss of biodiversity. So this growth should be seen with cautious. Uh, Laos, Myanmar, and Cambodia they have more than 40% of the, their electricity generated with hydro, which is generally good, but very hard to be replicated in countries without the same hydro potential. So there is a limit to scale that. In Singapore and Brunei, the countries with the highest GDP per capita in the region, they're also very carbon heavy with over 90% of their energy coming from fossil fuels. So that kind of highlights the, the challenge. As a block, ASEAN unfortunately is still pretty much behind uh, this decarbonization agenda. In uh, within ASEAN, you you have do have some interesting uh, initiatives, in interesting growth, uh, but it, it still comes with challenge, such as the the, the case of Indonesia and, and biofuel production. Right. So you're saying that the decarbonizing speed is rather slow as a block in ASEAN because uh, there is not much of a uh, of a demand towards such efforts. So what do you think could be the reasons or the factors behind of the low demands of decarbonization process in ASEAN? It's a, it's a fast-growing region in the world. Mm -hmm. In our growth pattern, the, the, the existing growth pattern of the world is still carbon-heavy. Uh, only in the last 10 to 5 years, in, in, the, in the area of energy generation, is that uh, we now have, uh, especially in the, the, the last few years, it, it's now really easy to say that, hey, our growth pattern in new energy generation should be renewable, because that's the lowest cost. Uh, but, but when we think more broadly about the challenge of decarbonization, it also speaks to uh, uh, building new infrastructure or building new steel plants and everything that's uh, associated with uh, this kind of growth, which is 
which, which is still very carbon heavy. So that's the, the, the challenge of ASEAN. Because it's a region with a lower GDP per capita, so you're still in a different growth phase. Uh, in, in, in today's world, a lot of the growth is uh, carbon heavy. That's what's happening. But it, it doesn't mean that it has to continue this way, particularly in energy generation. Uh, we have the most cost-effective solutions moving forward are not the carbon-heavy ones, but rather the, the renewable ones. Right, okay. So as a grouping of diverse member states with different levels of economic development, with different levels of uh, economic projections and interest, how should ASEAN member states strategize their transition toward sustainable energy uh, while balancing accessibility, affordability, and environmental sustainability? So we're also talking about what sort of coalition building that will be required and which stakeholders that we need to, be, to include in order uh, for this strategy to work. This is a... Great question, because we cannot see an extremely complex issues such as energy transition detached from uh, other societal uh, challenges, which is, in this case, the, the need to build a coalition in support uh, of, uh, of energy transition or, or decarbonizing the economy. So if we were talking 10 years ago, energy transition would be framed as a luxury good as something desirable but unaffordable for most ASEAN countries. But thankfully that reality has changed because now solar and wind has one of the lowest generation costs for new energy when we measure uh, using the levelized cost of electricity or LCOE. So that's when we, we make things comparable uh, because renewable energy, it, it, you have to spend a lot of upfront capital but you don't have to pay for uh, the fuel. You get the sun for free, you get the wind for free. But in the case of fossil fuels, you pay for the capital relatively less, but you will still have to pay it for the coal that uh, you put in a coal-fired power plant. You need to pay for the gas when you're using a gas-fired power plant. So when you make these things uh, comparable, uh, now, uh, renewables, uh, they, they have the lowest cost of new energy. So it makes a lot of sense, a lot of economic sense to expand energy supply by incorporating more renewables rather than investing large centrally produced fossil fuel plants. Um, so that's great, but you still, you still face a challenge, uh, which is to provide a framework that will discourage more carbon heavy investments which are at great risk of becoming stranded assets with the energy transition and create the local business ecosystem for the development of renewable energy. So it's true that uh, it's, it's now, it makes more economic sense, but um, uh, you still need to, to, to have policies that will signal uh, this reality. Otherwise, uh, because of a concept co uh, called carbon lock-in, it, it's just easier to keep things as they are. So people uh, and companies that um, uh, they have an expertise in generating electricity from carbon heavy source, they, they would go ahead and they would lobby and they would do uh, all of that to, to stay relevant. In comparison, uh, in comparison, 
there is a concept in policy studies of energy transition called a, a green spiral, when the initial steps towards cleaner fuels helps to build industry coalitions that then lobby for its expansion. So let me give you an example, Idris. Uh, you can start with virtually no solar developer in a given country. Then you do some policies like large-scale solar auctions or renewable energy mandates. So this kickstarts a local industry with job generation, uh, which will then pressure for the expansion of those policies, like new rounds of solar auctions. Um, that's, that's one example. When you get to have a green spiral, then uh, things create a momentum in itself that, uh, that can lead to more, um, to more policies supporting the energy transition. So, so from your explanation, it seems to suggest that the absence of framework is also happening at the domestic level, which is each of member state countries in ASEAN, as well as the regional level, we are also seeing the absence or a, 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 a less solid kind of framework when it comes to uh, energy renewal and decarbonization. Yes, I, I think that's a very apt way of putting it. And in the case of ASEAN, uh, really the individual level policies are critical because ASEAN cannot enforce any kind of policy into member states. It works by consensus. So ASEAN can do a lot in, in sharing knowledge, in bridging the gap in terms of uh, capabilities, particularly in, in regulatory capacity across the different countries, because to promote renewables, it means developing a new industry with uh, in the uh, electricity markets are not easy to regulate markets. So you do need to have uh, capability building in, in the different countries. But essentially, you need to have a bottom-up story, a, either a political story or an economic story that helps the different member states to, to transition towards uh, renewables. It cannot be imposed from outside. Uh, there will be pressures from outside, and that's also important to build a coalition. The pressure from outside is that um, some markets uh, where ASEAN countries, they export, such as European Union, they are moving towards adopting uh, the carbon border adjustment taxes, which is they are going to tax products also on the basis of how much carbon it took to, uh, to build them. So in that case, to have a cleaner uh, energy matrix will be a critical factor in your competitiveness. So that will be an external pressure. It's coming. It's important to preempt that. But there are also a lot of a domestic uh, reasons of why you want to promote uh, the expansion of, uh, of renewables. Right, so you seem to also touch on the, the questions that I'm about to ask uh, next, uh, which I think part of it has already been answered. So it, when we say that ASEAN member states uh, have to actually collaborate in working on this framework, but we see that ASEAN could not provide the capacity building uh, also of a knowledge building if there is no any movement from the bottom-up approach. We are talking about the domestic countries. So I guess if the domestic countries in ASEAN would still be left behind in terms of um, developing the framework, in terms of developing the incentives towards decarbonizations and renewable energy, it would be a further 
um, difficult for ASEAN to have the regional framework. And it's also difficult for ASEAN member states to further collaborate together in pushing uh, for the adoption of sustainable energy within the region. Do you think so? Uh, yes, I think everyone that studies ASEAN knows that things are complicated in ASEAN. Uh, it's the mechanism that, that it, it operates uh, within, within the region. However, the capacity building is, is easier because it doesn't, it's not an imposition of a target. So European Union can work towards imposing a, car, uh, a target for its member country. And can say that we are going to be carbon neutral by 2050. You cannot do that uh, in ASEAN, but you can promote within the secretariat this uh, uh, knowledge sharing uh, capacity building. That is, that is totally possible. Uh, other thing that is also um, occurring and, and, and definitely needs to be expanded is grid integration. This is fundamental for the expansion of, uh, of renewables. Renewables, uh, solar and wind in absence of large scale uh, energy storage, such as batteries, which are still not cost competitive, but in every sense of future development, we need to have a well-integrated grid in order to, to compensate the intermittency of, uh, of renewables. So that's also something that uh, ASEAN can, can, can push. Right, okay, thank you. Now, um, let, let's move on to the forms of uh, sustainable energy. Now, in, in your opinion, um, which form, to, uh, in, uh, either it's wind, hydropower, or nuclear, have the most potential uh, within ASEAN? So you mentioned nuclear. Nuclear is a great clean source of energy. Many people think that it's impossible to decarbonize uh, without using nuclear. But unfortunately, it faces strong opposition for different reasons, and it's unlikely to represent significant capacity growth in the rest of the world, and I would say in ASEAN in particular. So, so that's probably uh, off uh, from, the, from the list. Solar and wind, they are the source of energy that have the highest potential to spread, given this dramatic cost reduction and wide availability. So most countries in the world, you can uh, have uh, add capacity uh, on solar, wind, uh, or both. But they are not, and, and here let me, let me highlight some, some issues, right? To, 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 to say that rather than moving from the world of, uh, that's based on oil and natural gas and coal, uh, we are going to have a much more complex energy system that's, um, it has to be interlinked and using different solutions. Because renewables, as uh, particularly solar and, and wind, they are not this source of energy, like hydrocarbons or nuclear. Uh, these types of renewables, they require much more land for generation. So if you take a small country with high energy consumption, like Singapore, it cannot rely on rooftop solar or it's not profitable to put solar farm in its uh, very scarce land banks, which is super, super expensive, uh, the cost of land in Singapore. So it likely will require importing clean energy directly in the form of electricity from Malaysia, 
or hydrogen from elsewhere. Uh, so then you, you end up uh, uh, facing issues of energy security, right? So you don't want to be dependent. That's one challenge. In the case of Malaysia, Malaysia has limited wind potential, but solar can still grow a lot. And it's also an uh, exporter of, uh, of natural gas. Natural gas is uh, cleaner, about 50% cleaner in terms of um, CO2 emissions than, than coal. So there's a lot of opportunity to reduce uh, coal uh, in Malaysia. But overall, the big picture is that most ASEAN countries can benefit from the expansion in wind, but you will have uh, localized issues. Another one that will have to change completely with the uh, energy transition is Brunei. The oil sultanate is the most dependent country in the region of uh, natural resource. So Brunei, 30 or 40 years from now, we'll have to look at in a very different country. I see. I see. Yeah. So I guess that different countries will have its different um, challenges because of, of the geographical situations as well as the access to its energy. So that, that would be of the challenges of, of the countries. Yeah, because each country, all of these 10 member countries would, would uh, have their own uh, predicament uh, for all this renewable energy. Now, Again, when we come back, let's. I would just want to wrap the discussion coming back to, to ASEAN. Uh, I'm sure that we've talked some of the challenges before, but if you can just wrap up uh, the, our discussion today by perhaps highlighting three main challenges of sustainable energy adoption in ASEAN and how possibly that we can actually address it, that would be much appreciated. I see. Let me think about three main ones. Uh, let me start with politics, the politics of energy transition. Um, a lot of the countries that are driving the discussion towards that zero, they are countries where the domestic politics pressures uh, political leaders to adopt an environmental agenda. So if, if you take many European countries, they have a strong bottom-up politics, contentious politics, uh, in strong, sometimes, uh, green parties, with green parties uh, playing a pivotal role in formation of governments. And in, in then the investments in, in, in these uh, green industries that later uh, give rise to, to this green spiral, right? So, so this positive cycle of uh, investment in green industries uh, leading to empowerment of uh, business associations and the lobbying groups from there and, and, and leading to, to the demand for policies that continues to support them. You don't have that in most ASEAN countries. So the, the political aspect of a, a strong support base is not there yet. That's, that's one challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, a second challenge is the challenge of, uh, of being with, uh, adopting this agenda from a, a, a condition of a much lower GDP per capita than other countries. So when we talk about uh, new energy generation, it's true that uh, you can incorporate a lot of renewables at the lowest cost by investing into uh, solar and wind. There is a limit to that. If you start adding more than 20 to 30% in your grid, 
you have to, to do a lot of uh, additional investments in grid integration, in energy storage, uh, and, and so on. So um, it's, it's, it's less costly to start from the, the position that you are now, uh, but at some point it, it becomes costly unless you develop new technologies. So that's one challenge for, uh, for the ASEAN region is to, um, uh, to adopt this agenda from the condition of being relatively much poorer than other advanced uh, countries which already invest more into R&D and some of their own companies are involved in developing new solutions. So they can internalize some of those costs. In the, the third aspect I would, I would mention is about the, um, the issue of the, the age of infrastructure, of uh, infrastructure investments. Uh, what we have is that um, it's very important to, to align the, the building of new infrastructure that can be resilient to this new economy, to this uh, more uh, this greener economy of the world. Uh, in, even though it's really hard in many areas, uh, we definitely need to move to, to stop building new coal power plants. And the reason is simple. It's not only because their unit costs are now uh, more expensive than, than renewables, but also because this fossil fuel heavy infrastructure will not be resilient to the emerging energy economics that is, uh, 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 that is in the world right now, and therefore they risk being stranded. Give you an example, Idris. Um, the, in the US and Europe, uh, the typical coal-fired power plant has been operational for 35 to 40 years. That's the age of a typical coal-fired power plant. So it's easier for them to retire these plants and replace with renewables. In comparison, when we get the, uh, the Asia, uh, China, it's 13 years. Rest of Asia, 16 years on average. So the, the coal-fired power plants, they are much younger, and the investors, they will want to have it uh, operational for, for the next uh, 30 years. So it's really complicated in 2021 to allow new investments in coal-fired power plants if you think that these are going to be operational for the next almost 50 years. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, it's critical to, to avoid investing in carbon-heavy infrastructure that uh, likely will not be economical and you end up with a heavy debt because it cannot pay by itself throughout the whole utilization the, the actual operational life. So the economic life will be uh, likely lower than the operational life. So that's another uh, challenge for ASEAN and ASEAN policymakers is to align the, the, the current uh, investments with a long-term uh, view that what is needed to make sure that uh, we grow, we grow in a way that's also resilient to the challenge that you will observe uh, in this process of a decarbonization of the global economy. Right. Dr. Renato Oliveira, thank you so much for joining us at Ideas Allowed. Uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, to share uh, some data and share some analysis on this extremely critical topic. It's, uh, 
it, it's definitely shaping our economy and our behavior as citizens uh, to, to make sure that we live in a world that is more sustainable, but it also uh, is able to provide growth and opportunities to, to our dear colleagues, citizens, and so on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an Ideas Allowed a podcast series for Ideas ASEAN Prosperity Initiative. Together with us today, we had discussed on renewable energy in ASEAN, presented by Dr. Renato Oliveira.